there's a message today uh, in this Mass that is this, this invitation, almost this command to rejoice. And why? Again, why do we rejoice? Um, we are commanded to rejoice because the Lord is near us. He's approaching, he's arriving. Remember the, the word Advent means the arrival, the advent of God. He's, he's coming towards us. And we are to rejoice now because he's very near. I think even after everything, after all of our religious education and study and the homilies we've listened to and all the things, myself included, you know, in some ways we just still don't know God. And our, our image, our imagination of God is, is still off in some ways. Uh, and still needs to be purified and filled with, with all the beauty of, of who God really is. And this one might not resonate for all of you, but uh, if we ask the question, do you think of a God uh, as God as, uh, if you heard like, hey, God's coming towards you and he's really close, that you would just erupt with joy? Because some of us wouldn't. Because why? Because we're still kind of afraid of him. Like he's coming to hurt us or because he's mad at us or to take something away. Or... But the message of the scriptures here is very clear. Uh, oh, you have nothing to be afraid of because he wants to give you everything. Do you believe that God is the God of joy? And not just that, but that he himself is the only one that can give you the joy that your heart desires. That's a, that's a bold statement. Do you believe that God is capable, and not just capable, desirous of bringing fulfillment to all the deepest desires of your heart? Because uh, some of us don't. And that's why we don't pray a lot sometimes, right? And that's why we have to go to Mass. And that's why we ask half-jokingly to the priest after the wedding on Saturday afternoon, does this count for tomorrow, right? Because I don't want to go. You know? So if this one counts, then I'm done. You can ask that question. You're fine. I'll just be mean to you. Um, right, there is a way in which we, we all, to some extent, have a kind of a dimmed imagination of God. And the church wants to stir that up and be like, no, 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 no. No, this God is a God of joy, a God of life, who brings all the good things you've ever desired. And in fact, the deep desires of your heart that feel too good, too big to be fulfilled, they feel impossible, those desires were placed there by God. And in some ways, they're only there because God's already there. They're, they're, they're a sign of his presence in you. You would not have those desires if God did not put them there. And he would not have put them there if it was not his plan to fulfill them. So this gives purpose to all the stuff we're talking about at Advent. Like, you got to pray, turn away from sin, yada, yada, yada. It's like, well, okay, I'm, I'm open to that, but like, to what end? What's the point? If the point is unfathomable fulfillment and joy, communion and love, then it's like, okay, then I can maybe try to work on sin a little bit, right? But only if it's for something, for something great. All of our labors and all of our efforts are for something beyond anything we can imagine. St. Paul is trying to stir up the people um, in anticipation of, of God coming close. It's interesting, the first two things he says is rejoice always. There should be, always be a cause for joy. And he says pray without ceasing. How often do we connect prayer and joy together? 
right? Sometimes we're like, rejoice always, great, pray without ceasing. We're like, well, which is it? <laughs> Am I supposed to rejoice all the time or pray all the time? Because prayer is boring and kind of sad, and I don't want to do it. But still then, like, as we grow in prayer, there's a sense of like, oh, there's something here. God's doing something. We want joy, but we, we don't always know what joy is. And sometimes we stop short at happiness. All of us, our deepest, down here in the deep places of our hearts, there's a desire for joy. But again, sometimes we don't know how that works or what it is, and so we go in search of happiness. Happiness lasts for a moment, and then it's gone. The difference between ice, happiness and joy is, is the difference between, I don't know, ice cream and eternal fulfillment. Ice cream brings happiness, right? Amen? Who don't love ice cream? And then afterwards, what does it bring? Uh, I can't fall asleep because I'm an old man already and I can't eat before too close to bed or uh, it brings other things or you got to go buy some new clothes or, you know, ice cream gives happiness for a moment. A lot of our sins are a search for happiness. And the thing about our sins is they kind of work, right? We wouldn't do them if they didn't work. Our sins promise some level of fulfillment. They promise us joy, but they just give happiness and happiness that subsides and leaves a greater emptiness. Uh, Satan promises you joy. He gives you some happiness and then emptiness. That's why every Easter and every baptism, the church asks you a question. It says, do you reject Satan? And you say, I do. And all his empty what? His empty promises. His ice cream promises. They cannot fulfill you. But God can. The original lie in the garden was the lie that God cannot give you the joy you're looking for. He's not going to do it. He's withholding that from you. If you want joy, you have to get it on your own. Satan promised them joy. He gave them slavery and pain and sorrow. And now the Spirit of God stirs up this message through Isaiah. Jesus is going to quote the same message that he is coming. And why is he coming? He says, the Spirit of God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me and sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to prisoners. Uh, I did this summer program called IPF, the Institute for Priestly Formation, where you learn how to pray. And it turns out I didn't know how, how to pray before. I was just sitting in churches thinking about things, which is not the same as praying, because prayer has to do with a relationship. And thinking about things can be whatever. So for the first time, I felt like I was actually praying. And what seemed like the consistent message from God was that he really, really loved me. That I just meant the world to him. He was proud of me. That I didn't have to do anything to get him to love me. That his love was just totally free. That I was God the Father's beloved son. And it's like in some ways I was, I was hearing God for the first time especially around this idea of I don't have to do anything to get loved by him because I was really confused and I thought I had to try hard and perform and impress. And I'm still not totally convinced of that and I'm still kind of stuck in that. But, but for the first time again, just sensing God just loved me and was proud of me and he was on my side and he cared about me. And there was this, um, this priest that was helping out with the summer program who, uh, by all accounts, has some what you would call spiritual powers. He's able to do things that most people can't do, to see spiritual realities. Um, he's an exorcist. 
He also uh, seemingly, to some extent, has the ability to do what's called reading hearts or reading souls, where he can just kind of tell what's going on in you. There was this guy, Gino, from New York. He came to lunch one day, and Gino was freaking out because he had just gone to see this priest to chat with him. And he's like, man, I just sat down. I just sat down, and he knew everything, man. <laughs> I sat down in front of him. He knew everything. I started saying, this is, this is what my problem is. And he's like, that's not your problem. This is your problem. I just sat down. I just sat down. And he knew everything. He's like freaking out about this priest that just like unveiled the deep place of his heart that he didn't even know was there. <laughs> so me and this other guy were like, we should go talk to this priest. <laughs> so we set up an appointment with him. And um, uh, I went in. And uh, he's like, what's been going on? Somebody just grimaced at me. <laughs> we were all bracing ourselves. Uh, I went in, and uh, I was kind of telling him what, what had been going on and uh, how God had just been like, gosh, just assuring me of his love, and I was coming alive as a son and all this. And uh, he said for so many years, I forget how many years, 15 years, he worked in Venezuela. And during that time, he worked at a prison a lot of the times. And uh, he said, many times I had the privilege of, of being present at the prison when someone was released and they could go free again. He said, and that's, that's what you remind me of, a prisoner set free from a prison of your own making. It was just this beautiful gift. It just really blessing what was going on in my heart. And there's something true about that. We are imprisoned in as much as we do not know God and his love and how good we are. And when we come to know that, the walls and the bars and the chains fall away, and we're free. And life becomes a joy. Um, Jesus comes to bring you joy. And his message of joy is always a message of love, and it's a message of, of how much he loves you. And he means it when he says it. And he loves you so deeply and so infinitely that, that he is going to give you all of himself and unite himself to you. And we live in a strange time because has this already happened to you? Well, kind of yes. By your baptism, you have been joined to Christ and you and him are one now. But you don't totally experience that now. Amen? There's parts of you that feel alone from God, that you don't know his presence, you don't know his, his joy, his love. So we live in this in-between time. We are already joined to him, but we are destined for that to be totally consummated in, in this perfect union and communion with him. First reading continues. It says, God has clothed me in a, with a robe of salvation and wrapped me in a mantle of justice. There's something really beautiful and tender about the idea of God clothing you how many people have you clothed in your life I mean you parents have clothed people but to clothe somebody you have to be very close to them he has clothed me and wrapped me like a bridegroom adorned with a diadem with a bride bedecked with her jewels so God is clothing us and blessing us in anticipation of our wedding day when we will be fully united to Christ as Jesus comes now and at the end of time, he comes to give himself to us and unite himself totally to us. To give us all of himself 
and all of his life and all of his love and all of his joy. And whether we realize it or not, this is what we most desire. At the root, at the base of all of your deepest longings is a longing for Christ. Not just to know him and not just to see him, although that would be wonderful in itself, but that he might be yours and you might be his. Only that will give you the joy that you're looking for. And so today, the church calls you to rejoice because he's very near. He's very close. He's coming for you to give you all of himself and take all of you to himself in infinite joy.